Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future in Review podcast. I'm Barrett Anderson, the COO of Future in Review. For those of you who have never heard of Future in Review before, we run the annual FIRE conference, which The Economist has called the best technology conference in the world. And the other arm of our business, Strategic News Service, provides its subscribers with the most accurate source of information about the future of technology and the global economy. So if you enjoy these podcast updates, uh, we hope that you will subscribe and become a member of Strategic News Service uh, using the link in below this specific podcast. Um, and today I am going to be, normally I'm the host of this podcast, but today Mark Anderson, our CEO, is going to be interviewing me about uh, this week's global report. If you are an SNS member, you will receive this or you've already received this in your inbox. Um, but the report today, this week's report is focused on the Future in Review 100% Renewable Action Tank Initiative. This is a, a project that we have been working on over the last year with a large group of experts from across the renewable energy space. Um, and our goal with all of this was to create a, an action plan to transition the U.S. grid to 100% renewable energy. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that plan today. Um, the full first half of the report is in your inbox if you are an SNS member. The second half will be coming next week. Uh, but we hope that you enjoy the conversation. So, Barrett, yes. um, you and we have spent a lot of time, energy, and resources over the last year on this particular set of roundtables, including report outs, and um, I think with great result, but a lot of time, and energy, and resources. Um, how did you pick it, and why did you pick it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, SNS and Future Review have both been focused for since, you know, since we started in 1995 on the climate crisis. We've done a, we've had many speakers come to fire who have talked about the importance of getting this right, um, how important it is for society to mobilize. We've created action plans, which we've sent to Congress to help them understand what needs to happen to respond to this crisis. And uh, when you look at, you know, our potential area of impact as a as an organization and as a community, the SNS membership, um, and when you combine that with the, the potential impact of a specific sector. The grid is an extremely high impact space to be working on. And it's kind of perfect for us as a group because it's highly technical. There are a lot of convoluted actors in the space. It is uh, an, an area of extremely high investment, especially this year, which we've you and I have talked about uh, in the past on this podcast. Um, and it creates a platform like correctly transitioned to 100% renewable energy, it actually creates a platform for the United States to reduce its emissions by up to 77%. So if you combine that with, you know, if we are able to power transportation and buildings and manufacturing, all of those things would rely on a robust and highly technical grid infrastructure. So, to, to you know, as we started talking about and thinking about this project, it became clear to me that the grid itself is something that few people really understand. It's really complicated. True. There are many different actors and parts of the system. Mm -hmm. And if you can create a, a, a roadmap for how to move forward collectively that benefits all those actors, it has the potential to have a huge impact 
on overall US emissions, which are the second largest contributor to emissions in the world. China is the first largest contributor, I, I would just like to say, but uh, we don't have a huge ability to impact Chinese energy policy personally. Yet. <laughs> Yet. Yet. So that maybe they'll be next. But we decided to start with the U.S. because, uh, you know, it's it's uh, more likely to listen to our advice. But for um, before we I have the next question in mind, but I want to make um, a, just a statement that I know, you know, Barrett, but I'm not sure that our members know. Um, and that is the difference between the grid and anything else you can think of in terms of resources and so on, is that it only supplies instantaneous stuff. So it's not like gas you know, reserve or oil reserve or gas station or pipelines or, or water reservoirs or lakes or anything. With electricity, the electron you get is the one that just was created, you know, or, or motivated yeah. yep. a, a second ago. So yep. that's a very weird setup and it makes the grid extremely fragile and difficult to understand and manage. Yes, it very is true. speed of light, basically. And and that, you know, that, that fact combined with the fact that, you know, we do have some energy storage solutions already, uh, but even the energy storage that we have now primarily stores that energy, you know, we, number one, we don't have enough of them. We need more energy storage throughout the entire US grid. But even the storage solutions that we have now really, for the most part, only store energy for up to 12 hours, right? So it, it's a very short-term, you know, kind of storage solution. And, and that that complicates a large part of how do you instantaneously create and distribute enough energy to power the entire U.S. economy and right. all of our homes and businesses is an extreme challenge. And I think that's one of the things that people don't necessarily understand or appreciate about electricity and the grid. Right, right, right. right. So um, recent efforts at the federal level, including the Inflation Reduction Act and so on, probably try to approach some of the problem in terms of infrastructure. Um, and how is that different from what you've been trying to achieve with the action takes? Yeah, so there's 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 two parts to, to this question. The first is that the funding that has been allocated to grid upgrades through those the Inflation Reduction Act and the transportation or the infrastructure bill um, have primarily been focused on the development of centralized renewable mm -hmm. production. So solar farms, wind farms, um, you know, grid transmission infrastructure upgrades. Um, and the, the big problem with that is that it takes too long, right? We actually don't have time for uh, to site, build, and develop all of those all of those uh, resources, yeah. it's not going to get us there in time. So it's like it's like it is a part of the plan, but it doesn't actually address the fact that you know it, siting of new solar and wind farms right now is taking up to ten years just for the permitting, right? And same with you know the production, like steel has been in really short supply. So like creating those farms is is like taking way too long. We actually need to, as a country get to net neutrality by 2050. That's only, you know, like 25 years from now. And so if you look at the timeline that it takes to approve permitting, approve permitting of new transmission lines, um, build and construct those centralized 
generation sources, it's just not going to work, you mm -hmm. know? So that's one part. The other part is that while these most recent um, uh, bills have been really historic and landmark in their nature, they actually only provide a very, very, very small portion of what is needed just to keep the grid running as normal. Um, so I'm, I'm forgetting, I think we need about 68 billion to keep the grid just standard wow. running. And actually, I think I'm getting this wrong. I'm, I'm not gonna guess on the numbers because I'm, I don't have them right in front of me, but, but it's really not enough. It's probably about a tenth of what is needed tenth. at the max, at the max, just to keep the grid infrastructure stable. Mm -hmm. So it is really exciting that these bills have been passed, but we can't really rely on this approach, like very centralized approach. So a big part of what this plan um, is advocating for is we need to create, turn what is essentially mostly a one-way distribution grid into a two-way distribution grid. And the point of that is that um, at the moment, because of physical limitations, a lot of the energy that's produced by consumers or businesses, so if you have a microgrid um, on your home or business, right, a battery, uh, solar power, and it's connected to the grid, a lot of that power is being curtailed. Um, so because of the physics of electricity, there's only a certain amount of that power that can be re-uptaken into the grid to, to be redistributed to other consumers. Um, and that at the moment is artificially limiting the development of distributed solar and wind and other resources throughout the United States. Mm -hmm. um, at, currently in the US, our, our solar uptake is just about 2%. And so we haven't hit that curtailment phase yet. But for example, Australia and China both have. And in those two countries, um, I think we're seeing, you know, about 25% of total energy that is being curtailed, which means that even if that energy is produced due to physical limitations, no one can do anything with it. So the solution to that is going to be a wide range of um, energy storage solutions, innovations in energy storage, but there are also technologies uh, such as the technology produced by Alexis, which has been our partner in this initiative, um, this is a company that we first encountered as they, they were a speaker, a fire starter. We selected them a few years ago as a fire starter for the fire conference, which just means this is a technology company building a technology that we think is going to have a positive impact on the world. And they basically have created a platform that allows um, any uh, utility to increase that number up to about 100% of energy that can be redistributed through the grid using artificial intelligence. Um, without replacing any of the poles and wires. So this is important because it means that we don't have to spend a ton of money on expensive grid upgrades. We can put this kind of device, there may be other com companies out there making this device as well. I, I'm not familiar with them, but um, <clears throat> into homes or communities, it can serve multiple homes, multiple businesses. Um, and it just essentially accelerates our ability to create the investment uh, rationale to develop distributed renewables fully, which can vastly accelerate the transition to 100% renewable energy. Right. And so I think what I hear you saying is timing is everything here. Yeah. Or you have to grow up from the bottom up and the top down at the same time. Yeah, we have to do all of the things. Yeah, do it all. <laughs> One thing.
Well, thank you for helping us. And uh, I'm sure you're going to mention that people should come back and read the global report you've written part one of so far. And uh, it's back to you, Brett. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's it's um, I think I would be remiss not to mention uh, Robert McClure, who has been uh, an author and researcher on this report as well, spent a lot of time and energy doing helping us write and make sure that everything is is all in place. Um, as well as Enersys, which is a company that has partnered on this project with us to they're they're an energy storage company that is building new solutions, old, you know, revolutionizing old solutions and trying to make sure that the energy storage that we do develop moving forward is cyber secure and can't, can't limited as as safe as possible um, from outside attack. So yeah, thanks to both of them. And we hope that you will become a member of the SNS Global Report. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.